0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory, and welcome to the new set, which feels really, really cozy, although I want to, like, sit cross-legged. This chair is so deep.
1: It is deep. I know. I wasn't sure. Do I put my feet up? Yeah,
0: like, that's the one thing. It is... Hella comfortable, though. I will give it that. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, and that's the one thing about our other set. Like, it just didn't feel intimate. And mm. it's like, you know, obviously we're talking about relationships. And it's something that's super intimate and personal. And so um, we had this new set built, not just for the show, for multiple shows. But, yeah. So we kind of threw this together this morning.
0: Yes. Well, here we are. I actually didn't know we were going to be filming here. So I'm super excited.
1: Ah, all right. Yeah, so should we just dig into the first question?
0: I think we should. All right. In.
1: So, in fact, I have a question for the people at home. Let's start there. So the question is, would you rather be alone and feel lonely or be in a relationship and feel lonely? That's a great question. Yeah. What's What's your answer? Um, Be alone and feel lonely. Because... Being in a relationship and feeling lonely, like it was almost like okay, there's something wrong in this relationship, and so I have to deal with this as well. Whereas mm-hmm. if I'm, if I feel lonely as a person, I think that being, a, I should focus on that and focus on why do I feel lonely? What is it that I'm not satisfied with? So yeah, what about you?
0: So for me, that is, and you already know this, which I think is what you were about to say. Uh, for me, definitively, I would rather be alone and feel lonely. I don't know why, but my youth was haunted by the notion of being in a loveless marriage. Like that used to really freak me out.
1: And what's interesting is you had that feeling before your parents divorced. 100%. Because my parents divorced when I was young, so I think that that obviously did impact me.
0: Right. Yeah. But what I, what made uh, you I don't know. I don't know if it was movies. I literally I have no idea, but like that idea of where you're sharing such an intimate space with somebody Mm. and you're making all the compromises and all that stuff to go along with the relationship and not like being on fire for that person was just terrifying. And maybe, ah, it probably, cause it's not like I was nine and I was having this dream. I mean, this is like in high school. So I'm going to guess that I was in, you know, the relationships that I was in, I never fell in love before you, but I'd been in relationships before. I think my, um, longest sort of relationship, if we're going to call that, in high school was like eight or nine months. So it was like being in that, but you're not really that into that person. And I don't know, just yeah. it, it planted a seed deep inside my subconscious. And I used to have a recurring dream about it. So, yeah, that terrifies me. Mm. I have no interest in that.
1: All right. Yeah, no, I, I, knew, I knew your answer, but um, yeah, nice to hear the reasons. Yeah, but um, all right, so let's dig in. Um, and let's grab the first question. I actually had it ready. So um, people at home, if you, um, if you have any questions, please submit and we'll answer them live. And here's our first question from Facebook from last week. This is from Yusuf Ali Sadiqwa. Um Hi, Tom and Lisa. I've recently been through a breakup where my girlfriend of one year has been cheating on me from the start. Tom answered my question earlier about moving on. I've taken full responsibility for the breakup, but what keeps me up at night are the incessant thoughts about all the times she lied to me, all the memories keep coming back and I can't help but feel like a complete idiot. I don't know how to heal myself after this because I felt the betrayal extremely viscerally.
0: Yeah, so to me, there you have got to train yourself to do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. I mean, just like simple as period. And and I'm not saying that because I think it's easy. I'm saying it because it is that simple. And you really, there's nothing left to do other than let it go. And that means when the obsessive thoughts start. So yeah, I'm going to walk you through the mechanics, right? Because when you tell people to let it go, it's like, They're just immediately going to assume I don't get it. And, you know, like you don't understand how often these thoughts occur to me. Like I am the same way. The reason that I have these strategies is because, like anybody else, I am prone to obsessing over the negative shit. Obsessing. And to combat that, I've had to train myself to use that trigger of the obsessive thought over the negative thing, which then creates that, like, visceral, to use his word, Chemical reaction that you feel, and you just feel like such an ass. And so, you've got to, as soon as you feel that beginning of the trigger, the getting into that thought, you need to stop it and you need to change it to something else, like whatever it's going to be gratitude. So, let's say every time I think about, um, you know, the betrayal, I'm going to think about either like depending on what it is that it makes him feel about himself being blind, um, being foolish, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think of all the people in my life that I'm grateful for that I've done the exact opposite, that I've had the exact opposite effect on that. Maybe I've touched their life positively or they've touched mine positively, like whatever it is that is that deep dark hole i'm going to use that to trigger that thought and i'm going to obsessively think about the positive things and yes in the beginning it is going to feel completely unnatural it's going to feel completely forced you're going to feel like you're faking the funk you're going to feel like you should be focusing on the negative thing that you should be thinking about what an idiot you were because that's the only way that i'm going to be punished because people definitively think they need to be punished for things So in his mind, it's the only way that I'm going to be rightfully punished for what a fool I was. It's the only way that I'm going to make sure that I avoid this in the future. And a little bit of that is true. But a lot of that becomes a problem. And this is like, it is exactly like lying. For anybody out there that uses lying as a strategy, let me tell you right now, you get away with it 50% of the time. Hmm. And that's why people keep doing it. But 50% of the time, you're cementing your reputation of being a liar. So... Just don't lie. And it's going to put you in shitty situations a million times, but better that than to have the reputation of being the person that lies. So with yourself, like I get it. There is some percentage. I'm going to say it's 20. 20% of your mental energy should be you did screw up and you didn't see things coming and it was a mistake and you were an idiot. But now obsessively thinking about that doesn't help you. So it's like you've acknowledged it and now you have to move on.
1: Why do you think people get embarrassed? Like I think a big part of it is like, they cheated on me. Now I'm I'm embarrassed. Like, and that's why they feel like an idiot, and they don't really want to talk to, talk to people. Like, why do you think people close in instead of doing the positive thing that you do?
0: I mean, this is this is a survival mechanism, mental thing that happens where your mind is way better obsessively thinking about the things that went wrong to make sure that you don't put yourself in that position again. So, think about it from an evolutionary standpoint. You're you're better off like i really had to think about that. you're better off from uh, a resource allocation perspective so this is from an evolutionary standpoint Mm -hmm. you're better off from a resource allocation perspective not raising somebody else's child so that's why like when a lion comes in if it you know defeats the um alpha male in the um what are they called pride if they defeat the alpha male in the pride they'll kill its cubs So because they're just way better off not raising those cubs and then impregnating the woman anew and then she has more of her cubs from that male. So just like it doesn't make sense from a resource allocation perspective to be in question. So there's all this mental um, like routines algorithms running in the human mind to make sure that you're not put in that position which is wow man we're getting into some really weird territory so if you take a guy and he's been away from um his mate god uh if you have kids in the room like send them out yeah just be yeah so they, they will have there's more semen in their ejaculate when they've been away and there's more if they see her around other men. Like, this shit is so hardwired in mm. you, it, it's like, it's crazy. And you say, in a
1: way, like, even if they've taken care of themselves.
0: Uh, I can't speak to that, and I doubt that the study accounted for that, okay. but yes, I will assume that that doesn't make much of a difference. Really? People may not know what you mean by that, <laughs> but yes.
1: Men take care of themselves. Women do, too. In fact, right. I shouldn't have said men. <laughs>
0: yes, so, we do. So,
1: yes. Um, that's interesting. Because that's the one thing. In fact, I, I had someone actually direct message me the other day saying that um, they keep allowing this their boyfriend to hurt them. So they leave, they argue, he leaves, okay, I'm done. She finally gets over it. And then he comes back, she takes him back. And the the question was, I feel like such an idiot. Like I've taken him back now the second time. And he's hurt me again. And I can't help but feel like, like stupid, embarrassed, ashamed. Um, What did I do? And There's that fine line between what we say is like, take ownership, right? Because if you own it, you can change it. But then taking ownership and not beating yourself up to the point where now you just feel like you've broken yourself down instead of you're building yourself up. Um, What do you think about that?
0: People have got to get good at that. There's just no two ways about the fact that you have to know when to reward and when to punish yourself. Mm. And I... Once you understand that your mental mechanations are always going to lean towards negative, punish, beat up, all of that, because it's keeping you safe, Mm -hmm. because you're actually better off not extending yourself In, in a world where being ostracized means certain death, which is what your mind developed around, then you actually are better off staying safe, being small, living a small life, not trying to put yourself at the center. It's like, hey, you tried to be the alpha, but sorry, it just didn't work out for you. Like you're better receding to a beta position to not try to like really put yourself out mm. front. That, that's just like a safety mechanism. So that's what your brain is wired for. Once you understand that, though, and in a modern context, it doesn't make any sense. It does not serve you beyond some small percentage. Then you just and God, I don't like do you know what I mean when I say this? Like in acknowledging that it doesn't serve me, it allows me to let go of it.
1: Yeah, 100%. But with you, you can put your mind into that space and do it immediately. For me, I then. Whoa. Not whoa, immediately. Hang on. Whoa. But After you've trained year, yourself for yes. years. Yes, okay. You've trained... I'm not saying it comes naturally. You've trained yourself, but now you can, no. right? You can go off and like just, okay, this is what serves me. This is what doesn't go towards this. For me, the where I'm still in training is I know um, mentally this is what I should do, right? This doesn't serve me. So, And I, could, I tell myself that this doesn't serve you. This doesn't move you towards your goals. But in that same moment, my emotions and my heart, like my heart is still broken and my emotions are still high. So... I have to step back and go yes this isn't serving me but I don't know how to my, my. The chemistry and the chemicals in my body are still feeling this. And if I ignore the emotion, I actually don't feel like it serves me. Like if I push the emotion down, right, if I try and squish it, for me, it's like it just then bubbles back up. It's like putting a lid on a, um, a boiling pot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still boiling. So eventually the lid just comes off. So what I have to do is I have to go, OK, I need to turn the temperature down instead of putting the lid on. So I will try and do things to change my emotional being, to change my chemical imbalance that I'm feeling. And then I can address the, this doesn't serve me. What's that next step?
0: Such a great analogy. And I'm horrified because at some point, like putting the lid on it is, is perfect on the one hand, right? Don't analogy, mm-hmm. don't put the lid on. I don't put the lid on what I do is immediately take it off the hot burner. So it's like, okay, I, either I catch it as I feel it heating up and I downgrade it. Oh, <laughs> so I have this feeling and I use the right words and I don't think it makes any sense to anybody and this is what I do. When I can feel it like building up, I shift down. So you used mean? to drive, you used to drive a stick shift. Mm-hmm. So you downshift mm-hmm. and. Uh,
1: but you've got to take your, pedal, your foot off the pedal.
0: Yes. So let's not get crazy on like <laughs> the mixing metaphors and stuff. Like I can feel this is going to derail. So what I do is I, I literally, it is a downward. Uh, I'm, I am having a hard time. Bear with me, everybody, because if I can get this out, it may really help some people. So here's what I do. The solar plexus is the, what they call the soul of the warrior. Now, the reason I believe they say that or the center of your chi, which I don't understand. So I'm literally on that one. I'm repeating words. What I do understand, however, if you want to switch out of the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, the anger, the aggression, all of that into the parasympathetic nervous system where you feel calm and at ease. It's all about breathing from your diaphragm. So what I'm doing is I push the emotion down. I don't know why it feels like that, but that is exactly, I feel it move down in my body. I know how weird this sounds, but this is exactly what I do. I push it down in my body to where it hits my diaphragm. And as I breathe out, it's gone.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's what I do. So that's the, instead of being a metaphor about taking the pot off the, but I want to give people the the mechanisms, like what to actually do. The only part I don't fully understand is that sense of I'm pushing the emotion down and out. The out I get because you're breathing from the diaphragm, and that just from a mechanistic standpoint yeah. triggers the parasympathetic nervous system. Hmm. So, but why? And and I do. You want to know where I practice this? In fact, you tell me, woman, where do I practice oh, this? Jesus. You know the answer. And
1: in the oh, shower.
0: No. What? No, you I practice when we're shower? playing Destiny. Oh. To where? I. It's like everything's heightened. It's going crazy. <sighs> and I do that diaphragm breath. I push it down. Yeah. It goes out. I relax. So just to bring that back around, like to get control of my emotions, that is precisely what I do. It is so mechanistic hmm. and that's why it works. And that's why I'm like, this isn't woo woo. This is like straight up. There are things you can do physiologically. We can talk so- about what you wanted to talk about this morning because now I have an into why it makes sense to talk about. Okay. So I was whitening my teeth this morning and you had asked me a question, but it forces me to close my mouth. And it's and like your voice pers- as well. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother thing. Yes. But yes, I'm also because I do a lot of content. And so I'm talking a lot, which is actually damaging my voice. And so I'm having to do this whole thing with doctors to try and figure out, like, what the hell is going on? So I have to relax my voice. So I tend to do that in the morning. So I'm whitening my teeth, which means my lips are closed. I can't talk loud anyway. You ask me a question, I give you an answer. You think I'm frustrated, but really I'm not. But the weird thing is that in keeping my mouth closed, in talking really quiet, I can't get in a good mood.
1: Yeah, because you you can't go into your emotion if you're excited, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: going back to what made me start huh. this, the mechanistic, the physicality huh. of simple. if you're feeling down, laugh out loud. It will change your mood mm-hmm. definitively. Um, It is super weird. People with Botox have a hard time empathizing. It's like this whole secondary side effect because they can't make the facial expressions. It's crazy. So yeah.
1: And that actually like going to this one kind of trick and tip that we learned this morning, I feel like. um, So it was something we were discussing, something that sometimes it's um, I get a little sensitive over and it was basically my digestive system and my health and what do I do next and what are the next steps? I'm always asking you advice, but sometimes I don't take it. And so we've had this like, why do you ask if you're not going to take it? And we've had this discussion many times. And then this morning, it's OK. Well, instead of just us having that same kind of why aren't you taking my advice, but I'm asking for it, I'd asked you some questions and I thought, OK, really listen and really understand what he's saying so that because I so trust you. So, you know, we had this whole discussion. We went into it, and I was like, he, he seems like super annoyed. And so I got upset this morning because I thought you were annoyed with me for asking the questions. And you were like, why are you being so sensitive? And so, what I did is I literally I stepped back. From that discussion, got in the shower, took some deep breaths, and I was like, okay, I know him well enough, he's not going to lie. If he's really not frustrated, he's not. So he said he wasn't frustrated, he said he wasn't annoyed, but yet I still interpreted it. So I trust that you're honest with me, right? Tip number one, I trust that you're honest. So when you said you weren't frustrated, I took it at face value. I didn't second guess it. So if you weren't frustrated, why did I interpret it like that? So I thought, what's going on with me that is now allowing me to input data in the wrong way. <clears throat> so I went through our discussion in my head, and I thought I really was trying to understand the situation. And I thought, it's an, it's a sensitive subject for me, because I'm really, really battling with my health. So anytime there's an, oh, I'm doing something wrong, um, I get a little defensive. And so I know that about myself. So I, I thought, okay, you're getting defensive. But I didn't feel defensive in that conversation. And then I thought, well, he, does, he can't speak loud. And so when someone's, when someone's talking like this <laughs> and they're trying to give you empowering advice, but they're talking like this, it doesn't, it doesn't come across like you're, right. you're like, yeah, baby, we're going to do this together. It's, this is what you should do. You need to make sure that your fat is high. And so it just feels very instructional. I like think I'm not
0: that bad. It, I'm quiet. You're quiet. But it, and it, it is definitely what, like compared to how I talk now, right. it's crazy so i language. thought
1: okay the way he's saying it doesn't i don't feel like he's like on board with me like all right this is what we should do so that was number one and then number two you were whitening your teeth so your jaw was right you're like this so your jaw's tight your mouth doesn't open much making
0: me sound like Kanye here it wasn't it wasn't quite and so A, it wasn't think, quite that crazy but b i thought you really got to it fast to like in yeah. real time, you were chilling yourself out. It was pretty Because
1: impressive. of the the Captivate book. So literally, it's like um, you get micro-expressions, right? So if, if you know, if you've been with your partner for a long time, I'm sure all of you guys can um, relate to this. When you've been with someone for so long and they give you a look, they don't say anything. Literally, one look. The way your posture is, the way your eyes looked at me. Was it darted? Was it like gentle? And did they open? Right, that, Those micro-expressions other people pick up on. And so I was picking up on all these things that were giving me this signal that you were frustrated, but you weren't. So, man, I know that was a long story, but it was such a powerful lesson because we didn't argue. I didn't go like, no, like you did this and you're saying, but like you asked me for your advice. Like we really avoided an entire issue that five years ago we would have definitely have gone head to head on that. Um, but there were like these little steps that we took that we didn't get there. It was, I took your advice or sorry, I took your, um, your feedback for what it was. So when you said you weren't frustrated, I trusted that. And then I said, okay, but why did I still get this interpretation? And then I just broke it down. And so, yeah, I thought that was such a like breakthrough for at least me to kind of come to like put all those steps together. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I know that nice. was a bit of a long story. But. It was, but that's all right. All right, so we've got tons of questions. Um, this question, all right, let's just dive in. This is from YouTube. Um, this comes from Corin Davis. Right. Hey, Tom and Lisa, how do you reconcile extreme ownership in a relationship with holding somebody accountable for their behaviors?
0: and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Okay. Um, this, this is advanced class stuff for sure. At the end of the day, you always need to be looking at what did I do to put myself in this situation? But you also need to be able to hold the competing idea in your head that the other person needs to be doing exactly the same thing. And so it becomes a dance where if it's really two people, like you and I both are asking, okay, how did I end up here? And so we don't spend a lot of time, I won't say that we're perfect, but we don't spend a lot of time like going, you did this, you did that. Mm -hmm. It's always about, okay, I wish I had come to it like this. Like even today when you were retelling the story, the reason I kept interrupting you is – you were so quick like the way that you were painting the story did not give you nearly enough credit for how rapidly in fact that and you're saying it was a big breakthrough for you and that really felt in real time to be true because you were so quick to be like okay maybe there's something else going on here and i could feel you digesting and and in real time really adjusting so you were looking at how you know what am i bringing to the table but at the same time you were looking at, okay, the teeth whitening, the not being able to talk white. So you weren't just saying, oh my God, I've done something. It's all me. It's you own it. And the ownership shows up in you walking through like all of the different things. So rather than, and some of those things were you, some of those things were me. So the ownership isn't just like, I've done a bunch of things wrong and nobody else has done anything that would be a trigger or whatever. It's really assessing the reality of the situation. And so getting out of your own way, not letting your emotions run away with you, all of that. You may ultimately work through the situation like if I were with somebody that had a fixed mindset, like you can go through the whole process, but in a relationship, the final thing is gonna be, oh, and they aren't interested in getting better and they're defensive and like, those are real things. So you've gotta be able to work your way down to that And then not stay there and go, oh, yeah, they just had a fixed mindset. So let's say that that relationship imploded. I'm going to honestly assess, hey, they had a fixed mindset, but then I'm going to go and I wasn't able to get them out of it. Mm. And I chose somebody that didn't Mm. have a fixed mindset. And so those were things that I don't want to make those same choices again in the future. And so I'm going to adjust accordingly. So where where it becomes a problem is when people stop at the the recognition of the truth which is the other person did something that wasn't useful in the relationship, maybe became like the final thing that they just couldn't work past. Now, in the example where the relationship terminates, if you stop there, you haven't taken ownership of what you could have done to either select differently to help them pass that, you know, whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's really good. That's a really good answer. I don't have anything to add, really. All right. So move on. Um, all right. So next question. Um, this is from Terracott on YouTube. Tom and Lisa, what is your opinion about looking at each other's texts, emails, or personal information? I want to answer this. i dive in. Um, and the reason why I want to answer it is because I think stories traditionally, and maybe it's because I'm female. So I hear it from the women. Um, they go through their men's phones. Um, oh, I didn't trust him. He was getting, you know, like, um, secret texts and blah, blah, blah. And so I hear it a lot from women. Um, For me, I always said to myself, if I've ever gotten to the point, ever gotten to the point where I feel the need to check your texts because I don't trust you, something's wrong with the relationship, right? So it doesn't matter what I find. It doesn't matter if there's nothing there or it doesn't matter if there is something there because the problem lies where I have to check it in the first place, which means that I don't trust you. So then I go, why don't I trust him? And that to me is the biggest issue. In fact, the other day you were texting somebody, and we were talking about something. You picked up your phone and you went to text. And I literally was like, oh, what are you doing? Who are you texting? And I was purely nosy because we just discussed like a trip or something. And so I thought maybe you were texting because of that. So I literally text checked it because I was nosy on like if that's what you were talking about. Um, and so I don't feel any, I don't ask you, can I, hey, can I check it? Or I don't ask you, do you mind if I pick? Like I just look because I've got my own reasons and why I want to do it and why I need to do it. And that's because we were talking about a trip. And I was like, oh, is it about the trip? But if I'm doing it because I don't trust you, because it's about a female or because it's something that I think that you're doing behind my back, again, like I wouldn't even bother checking it to prove whether I'm right or wrong because that doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. What matters to me is why don't I trust you? What are you doing that makes me feel like I don't trust you? And what am I doing? Why am I paranoid about it, right? Is it something that you're doing or is it insecurity that I have? Because I think that's important too, right? Is there actual reality to the, um, the questioning? Or is it something that because I'm, I've got low self-esteem and is it, you know, I'm f- not feeling well and because of my sickness and um, my hormones are over the place. So is that now dictating how I'm perceiving things? So, um, yeah, it's not about whether you are or are you not. It's about why I'm checking in the first place.
0: Church. Church. Anything to add? the only thing is is ranty along those lines so i think that you know you really covered it if if i'll in fact i'll go a slightly different direction so i see how this escalates quickly in people i see how you don't give me reason to be paranoid and so i sit here with the confidence of not being paranoid because you don't act in a way that makes me paranoid so If you like, if I went to look at your phone like you were just doing in that example and you like pulled it away and were acting really shady, I'd be like, uh, that's super weird. Now we would, because we have talked about this and we have so many rules of engagement, like I would just ask you, Mm. like, that's super weird. And by the way, if you're doing it because like there's some surprise or something that you're doing around Christmas or whatever, like, Okay, the truth is I would just assume you were doing it for reasons of Christmas or something like that Mm -hmm. because all these years in, like it would never, so I would actually back off like extra hard. Um, But if I were in a place where, you know, something had happened in the past and so I would just say, hey, you're acting in a way that like makes me uneasy and so I don't need to see your phone or anything like that. Don't worry about it because you'd then be defensive, of course, and want to show me just to prove it. I don't need to see it. I totally get it. I'm merely, I'm letting you know how it makes me feel. I'm not saying that I should feel this way or that there's anything going on, but I want you to know how it makes me feel. So if it's a lovely, beautiful surprise or something like that, it's actually not worth it to me to get the unease that I get from Mm. you like trying to hide Mm. something or whatever. So if you can recognize that the thing that I value more than a surprise or anything like that is... Just that sense of security and knowing that I'm emotionally safe. So, you know what I mean? Like that's obviously for us anyway, make-believe scenario. But it's like I get how people could end up there really, really fast. And this is is why I don't know if (sighs) we would have to reinvent the romantic comedy to do a romantic comedy because 999 out of 1,000 romantic comedies are all about people not just saying the most obvious thing to say, which is, hey, when you like hid your phone or you closed your laptop really fast, that made me really uneasy. I don't need to look at it. You know, just whatever. And then roll credits, right? Because the movie's over because the two people can communicate like adults and it's fine. Um, But all of them end up being this whole much ado about nothing. Yeah. So yeah, just have the honest conversation. Say what you're honestly feeling. Don't overinvest in your own feelings, but express where you actually are.
1: Yeah. And what if... I had lied. And then would that make a difference on whether you'd want to check my texts?
0: No. And this really does go back to what you were saying about the the damage to the relationship is already done. So the fact that I feel so uneasy that I need to check your text message, like, that's a a Mm non-issue. So it's like, Let's address the fact that I'm there. I'm in that uneasy place. You're not making me feel secure. We either agree that the absolute reason for being in a relationship is to feel better about yourself when you're around the other person than you do when you're not. And so, hey, right now, like the very reason that we're together is not being met. Mm -hmm. So and if that isn't taken with like the utmost sincerity and like desire to help, like now you want to talk extreme ownership. If you came to me over something and I thought patently you were just being crazy and I thought, oh my God, like she's really just being emotional about this. On that one, it's like you get a pass. For whatever reason you're feeling like that, it absolutely does not matter. I am not delivering on the, the most core thing, the very reason to be in a relationship. So I would just be like, okay, the circumstances are what the circumstances are, whether that's You've come off the pill and so your hormones are everywhere. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I would just ask the point blank question, help me because I want to understand what I, what behaviors do you need? How do I need to externalize what I'm feeling inside so that you can feel that and just literally help me and walk me through that?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I feel like you're my barometer when you were saying about like, if I'm feeling emotional, like it doesn't matter, but you we just need to address it because there's like a look you give and you don't even say anything because you're very sweet. Because look, if a, if a woman, or even, I'll speak for myself. If I'm being overly emotional, I don't want to stay there. Like, I don't want to succumb to those emotions. To me, it's not okay to then fly off the handle to treat someone badly because you're emotional because it's the time of the month. Like, there's no excuse. And that actually winds me up when I hear women go, oh, yeah, but I was on my period. It's like, that's not a reason to treat other people. How about I was drunk? No way. that's just as bad that's what I'm saying like, <laughs> well, that's the right. one you hear all the time right oh, he was drunk. yeah but look I think you choose to pick up a bottle of beer or alcohol you don't choose to all of a sudden be hormonal like, so it's even worse it, it's even worse right. yeah um, because you're not choosing it there's no expect you don't, don't expect it it's not like okay once I sip like I'm gonna act this way right. it's one day you just feel the way you feel and you're not telling yourself necessarily I'm imbalanced my chemicals are changing like you don't it's not as Um, easily recognisable, at least for me, as that. Unless, of course, you've got the pains, but that's a whole different thing. Um, And so you literally are my bra... Going back to, yes, it's no excuse to treat other people um, badly just because you're feeling like that. I think it's important to recognise when you are having an emotional imbalance or a chemical imbalance, and then doing the steps to put yourself back on track. And most of the time, like I don't want to be around you as I'm trying to do those steps because it's not fair on you. Um, but sometimes I may um, act a certain way, and you are my barometer. Like literally, you give me this look, and sometimes you won't say anything because you know in those moments the last thing I want you to do or say is like, "Look, you're being really emotional. Your hormones are all over the place." That doesn't help. But you give me this look, and when you give me that look, I go to myself, "Uh oh, <laughs> okay." Like he's get. I know you. And I know how um, much you love me and how much you want to see me succeed. So when you do that look, it's the micro expression. I don't even know if you realize you do it. I literally, had yeah, no idea. I know. And I couldn't even mimic it. It's like so, I like so want you i so, so curious. So, I don't know. It's like it's almost just like a little widening of the eyes, like oh shit, <laughs> like the little like. Um, so anyway, so you do this look, and that is my barometer. And the second I see that, it triggers me to go. Are you hormonal, Lisa? Because he just gave you that look. Right now, you're very upset. Okay, are you upset because of the emotion, the chemicals that you're going through? So anyway, it really does help me to have you to kind of bounce off um, and like kind of... um,
0: And here's one thing that I'll say to that, and this goes both ways, whether it's me acting crazy town or you acting crazy town, like you've got to let the other person go way into the red. Like they've got to be so deep into crazy town that like... Okay, yeah, we're like no one's going to argue that we're now spilling over into like crazy time. So it's never on the first sign. It's never on the second. It's not even the third. It's like we're way deep into something before you pull that. And I think that's why you Mm -hmm. actually check yourself because, you know, I'm never going to be abusive with it. It's like promise, right? If it's um, or uh, what am I thinking of right now? Sort of promise, but that's from the other side. Um, wow, I'm legit blanking on... Important? Important. <laughs> Jesus, I'm having a stroke. Um, say, like if you say everything's important, then it's like it's just being abused, right? right? So now it doesn't carry any weight. So yeah. for it to carry weight, it's got to be something where the other person never abuses it.
1: Right, and yeah, you don't... Often throw that out to me. So when you're the the one thing is always difficult, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it, is when I'm feeling like emotional in those moments and you go like, time of the month, you know, and you're trying to do it super sweetly, but oh man, that just like it's not the time of the month! Right, and that just makes it worse. But um, we've gotten to the point where you're super sweet, and actually, in fact, this is how you handle it, and this is if anyone's listening out there and they have somebody who sometimes gets emotional due to the time of the month, like this is the way he handles it now is literally perfect. You're like, so I may be um, emotional or upset about something. And you will say to me, what can I do to help right now? Can I listen? Or are you looking for advice? Because those are two very different things. Because when somebody isn't feeling, um, confident in their position, right? Because I think that that's what happens when I feel emotional. I don't feel confident in my position because I just feel like all these thoughts are coming in my head. And when I don't feel confident in that position, it, oh, I've lost my train of thought. The TV behind you is going. I was like, the so, boys are like I know, crazy I know. Like, I totally lost my train right of thought. Now. Oh, well, leave me back on track. Oh, you say to me like, is it, Um, what can I do? Can I listen or do you want advice? Because sometimes when you're not feeling very stable and someone gives you advice, it actually doesn't help. But sometimes just letting it out and saying it then really does help. It gets me to then center myself. So um, figuring out what the other person is looking for when they're feeling like that, I think is so important. Mm. It really does help. I hear that. So um all right so next question guys if you do have i'm not sure which camera to look at if you do have any questions submit them right now um and we are answering them live okay so getting on to the next one this is from electric love it's cool coming from a culture where feelings are suppressed ignored with passive aggression can you shed light on how to express our feelings better how do you find words to clearly express yourself
0: I, I would just caveat everything if so the person is saying they don't know how to express their feelings so you're only going to get of their if culture practice. it's they've right. been trained to not so miss. I would just say hey I'm trying a new experiment I want to become a better communicator and so I'm gonna try to walk you through my feelings and by the way note the, how I'm saying it and I literally mean to say it exactly like I'm saying it now you need to get outside of the emotion you can't like show that you're like freaking out and getting agitated and I'm going to try to get better at like saying my feelings and and then you like go into some crazy tirade. It's got to be, okay, I'm going to step outside my emotion. Mm. I just want to, and it's all about trying to get to the absolute base level, the physics of the problem. Like what is really bothering me? And because I don't judge myself for the feelings that I'm having, I, Mm. I really try to admit, oh, hey, I'm being super petty right now, but this is exactly how I feel. Or take the phone example, the texting example um, I'm going to say like, Hey, I'm, this is totally from a place of insecurity, but I just want you to know the way that makes me feel. And so I, and these, I would Mm. say the following, I fully recognize that I need to do the work to get over the insecurity. At the end of the day, I own that that's on me. Um, here's what would help me. And then you lay it out for the person. Mm. Now that works for us because we actually want to help each other. I would not stay in a relationship with somebody that didn't actively want to take a role in helping me get better. Um, So if I were with somebody and I was like, hey, like, look, this is where I'm at. And they were like, that's fucking dumb. Or they made fun of me or they used it against Mm. me days later or whatever. Dude. Walk away. I wouldn't walk away like Really, if someone
1: mocked you at first, that would be like, for for me, it's easier to walk away at the beginning. If
0: you're at the very beginning of the relationship, I'm saying, let's say you're, you know, you've been a year in and you're now just trying something new, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I'm going to say, this is what I'm trying. They mock me. And in fact, Mm. this is some of the best advice that I have. If you're in that kind of situation and you're switching the rules of engagement, you need to fully understand. They're not going to mock you once. Or twice, it's going to be three, four, five. Like Mm -hmm. they've got to get their head around what you're doing, and you've got to believe in 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 it enough to stay the course and to want for their success enough to help them past that early like reaction, which is a reaction to change. It's like they're not going to be outside of that bubble either, so they're going to be used to dealing with things in a certain way. They're going to have a lot of cultural baggage, so they're going to react really weirdly. You've got to be graceful enough to allow them that reaction and to help them past it, to let them know what you need and want. And then yes, if like they clearly don't care about getting better, they think what you're doing is absurd or whatever. Yeah. At some point you've got to say, and I would communicate that like, Hey, I'm going to keep opening myself up to you a couple more times. If you keep rejecting me, I don't see any other path right. other than to go a different direction. Cause I'm never going back in my little box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Having that just raw honesty has always served us. Within our relationship,
0: definitively, yeah,
1: it's true. And the one thing I just want people at home to understand is we've been together for a long time, we've been together for 17 years. And when we first met, there were things just culturally that were like bizarre to me, even offensive. Like, I remember when you said, um, so we were dating, I came to Los Angeles because we had met, went back to England, I came back for three months to to work and to stay with you and to get to know you more. And I remember we had been together for maybe three months or something. And we were talking about like where I was going to stay. You wanted me to stay with you, but culture, like I'm not going to live with a guy that I've Mm. only known for a couple of months. Like my dad would kill me. So I'm literally going through all this in my head. And so you would genuinely I think offended the fact that I said no, because you were like, but we've just said I love you to each other. Like we, we spend every moment together. Why won't you come and live with me? And because I was brought up in a like protect yourself, you never know what's going to happen. I'm so far away from home. My dad obviously had drummed it into me my whole life of like being careful with when it comes to guys and things like that. That I was just explaining to you, look, it's got nothing to do with you. This is not about you and the fact that I don't trust you. It's just that I have a way, like my timeline in my head, and I don't feel comfortable coming all the way to America and just staying with you without a plan B. And so my plan B is my apartment. I'm going to rent it. And even if I'm not there, most of the time it's fine. But we had to get over that because you interpreted it as that's how I felt about you. And I was just coming from it as, like, I just need to protect myself. And then, even with money, right? Where you asked, like, well, how are you paying for your apartment? I was like, oh, well, my dad's helping. And you're like, oh, how much does your dad give you? I was horrified.
0: I remember. I was so so horrified.
1: I freaked out because where I came from, my dad was like, you never talk about money. Like ever I didn't even know how much my dad earned, my brother got a job, I wasn't allowed to ask him how much he was earning, so it was like taboo in the family, like it's rude, it's rude to ask right. people, so when you asked me, I was like i can't
0: how I rude can, is I this
1: can't guy. believe you just asked me, and I even said, I'm not comfortable telling you, and so Yeah. So basically the point being is that when you meet people, the early days in your relationship, you're going to have different cultural backgrounds. You're going to come at it from different sides. And I think it's important if I could go back now, it's just like, don't be offended by him asking Lisa, just like understand that he's got a different way of thinking and you know, that you would need to accept each other for who they are and how they communicate. Um, so yeah, I think that's important. All right, we've got some shout outs Let's do it. from YouTube. We've got Mindy S- Sabiston from uh, oh God, Sa- Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. Hearing you say you that's amazing.
1: to say that. That was funny. Okay, yeah, that was pretty funny. So, hey, Mindy, what's up? Um, we've got Scott Padgett from Maryland and Anna menner in Berlin Germany Nice
0: I think Anna's checked Anna's, in Anna's yeah a few times. An- Anna's
1: our home girl well, of so my home girl So what is
0: up in Berlin
1: Hello guys thank you for tuning in
0: Head right now to netsuite.com slash theory. Again, that's netsuite.com slash theory. Get the information you need. Head to netsuite.com slash theory.
1: Okay, next question. Um, Okay, let's have a look. Okay, this is from King Raphael. Recently had a relationship escalate, not in a negative way, but a... A way of being pushed into moving in with the girlfriend before I was ready. How do you do? How do you deal with being unprepared emotionally and mentally?
0: Um, I'm not sure if that
1: means being prepared to for the question or
0: yeah. So deal with- uh, the only way to truthfully answer this question is to say that I am of the brutal honesty variety. Yeah. In fact, I just got an email from. So we're working with this. We're we're negotiating with a comic book artist who I'm absolutely obsessed with, and he wrote me this email, and he was like, "Oh man, like forgive me, like uh, this email might be like a little too blunt," and I wrote him back and was like, "Dude." I love Blunt. May that forever be a hallmark of our relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a brutal honesty kind of guy. I just dig that shit. Nobody has to guess where anybody else is. There's brutal honesty, and then there's being a jerk. I'm not being a jerk. I'm not looking for other people to be a jerk to me, but like being really frank about what your needs are, where you are, like what you want. In fact, lean in, dear listeners. People treat you exactly the way you let them treat you. Say that one more time. Yeah. People treat you exactly the way you let them treat you. So in fact, I had, there was a moment uh, this weekend that I was dealing with some passive aggression and I, I admittedly checked myself a little bit because I was like going to write back like, what the fuck? And you counseled me like to <laughs> maybe temper that a little bit, but uh, just tell people where you're at you know, look, I'm really into you or I love you. Like whatever is the true statement. I'm not ready for that. Just like you did with me. It was really, um, it, it was upsetting to me, but it didn't end the relationship. It was like, let the person go through whatever emotion they're going to go through. That's them. It's not you. Like you need to be true to who you are. And in fact, we just filmed uh, an episode of impact theory with DMC from run DMC. And he literally, literally lost his voice. Because figuratively, he felt like he had lost his voice. It's fucking crazy how that happens. Hmm. And he just felt like he couldn't be honest. He couldn't be himself, that he always had to like protect um, other people, that he couldn't just own who he was, what his emotions were, what he wanted. And that caused, I mean, he was suicidal. So it caused like so, it almost ended his life. So, yeah, you, you know, in in a very respectful way, you've just got to completely own who you are, where you're at. Don't make apologies for it. Be sweet. Say it in a nice way. Try to be understanding. Be yeah. super empathetic. But don't back off who you are and what you think.
1: Yeah. And when you hear this a lot where, you know, there's been pressure from one side or another to move in or get married, um, because I've never really been in that situation. Um, I don't. I think this is how I would handle it being honest like you may upset her by saying I'm not ready to move in but it's better than moving in and not wanting to from from the opposite side right like if I was like if I'm excited and I love you so much and I want to be with you like I don't want to have to temper it so I would be very honest with you about like oh my god like I can't wait till we move in together it's like oh should we get this sofa when we move in together right like maybe that's the type of pressure I don't know where I'm just constant because I'm thinking about it and I'm excited I'm always talking about it But I would be so horrified if you said okay or yes just to shut me up because that doesn't set the relationship up for success. And I think where um, the trouble lies is, like, let's say you said, look, I'm just not ready yet. Then do I spiral off into, like, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with this relationship? And now I've made it something that it's not. Or is there a way that we can... I think the hope is there's a way we communicate, say, I'm not ready yet. Okay, what is it that you're not ready? Is it from scars from the past where maybe you've moved in with someone and they broke your heart? Is it that you're not ready to um, talk about finances? Uh, Maybe that's something you're not willing to share right now. So like, how do you deal with like the payments and all of that? Um, Or is it the fact that you just don't know, like, do I want this to continue? Like, is this part of... If I move in, does this mean that the next step is marriage? And I'm definitely not ready for marriage. So maybe get her mind off marriage and let's move in together um, just to keep her mind off marriage. Like that's another bad strategy that people do, you know, or they, yeah, can keep going on. But going back to honesty, it's like, look, don't don't feel guilty about not being ready. Like don't feel guilty because that will then lead to doing things that I don't think is healthy for the relationship, like moving in with them. Um, all right, I think we've got time for one more question. Let's do it. This question comes from Arjun Arun. Please talk about the concept of having to work within a relationship. There is a tendency to think a relationship should be easy without realizing that relationships take a level of actual work. Oh, 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 I literally just did an IG post about this Break about it down relationships. For us. So, with a business, if you really, really wanted your business to, to succeed, what are the things you have to do? Work damn hard. Work at it all the time. You can't drop the ball. You have to be consistent, right? Um, if you want to be good at a sport, what do you have to do? Work hard. Practice. Do it all the time. Consistency. With a, As a parent, with your child, what do you have to do? You have to be consistent. You have to be present. You have to... Um, as they grow right as they change age from a baby to five years old to a teenager you have to adapt you have to work to understand them to build that relationship and make that successful as you change and I think it's just exactly the same in, in a relationship like mine and yours you are going to be changing you're not going to be the same person that you were when we married to where you end up just before you pass away like th- when people say you're not the same person that, that, that they married it's like of course you're not they're not. I'm not the same person. So I think it's important to work on it every single day and take those steps every day as you guys change. Because there are certain things that weren't important to me when we met that are now important to me now. I thought I was going to have children. I don't want children now. So there's all these things that I've changed. I never used to be an entrepreneur. I saw myself as a starving artist. and proud of it. And, like, all these things... I have adapted, I have changed, I have grown. And so if you were holding me to where I was when we married, like that would be problematic for me because now I'd feel like you're stunting my growth. So you have to work on it. You have to be attentive. You have to give time and attention to it. If you would do that for a business, your kids, your family, um, working out, why wouldn't you do it for, to me, which is the most important thing, my relationship with you? Um it's so crazy to me. And I actually was at a dinner once where I said, yeah, you have to work on your relationship. And I was with like five women and all women were like, what are you talking about? Like relationships shouldn't be work. God, if you have to work, it is something literally, babe, they all said that to me. And it was like one by one. And I was like, okay, like maybe it's the word work that they perceive as a negative. So maybe there's another word that I can use that still expresses it. But when everybody was like freaking out that I said a relationship was work, I was like, it's not a negative thing. And it was interesting that people perceive that word as a negative thing, that you had to work on your relationship. It means that your relationship isn't a good one because you have to work on it. Yeah, anyway, it just, it blows my mind that people see it like that.
0: It's mass insanity. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> it's,
0: it's mass insanity. And here's the thing, like, and I'll say this as dispassionately as possible. If you let me crawl inside their relationship, it it's dysfunctional. So a, why do you at think a deep people and unending think that? Level. I mean, you've got probably the biggest part of it, which is that they don't think it should be work. Um, because they have negative connotations around it. And as you were describing, like, what all these things take i wanted to say the one commonality of all those things is the beauty the excitement mm. the joy so pouring yourself mm. into um so the way that i think of a job like i would never take a job where i wasn't excited where i wasn't like amped to make this come to fruition and i get it a lot of people do and so for them to liken it to work is like crazy so we work an insane amount of hours it is it's literal madness. On the our num- business or on our, relationship? on our business. Okay. The number of hours that we work is is it's pure unadulterated insanity. But I believe in it. What our real mission is. I believe in it. I believe it's important. I believe that I can impact people. I love it. It gives me more energy than it takes away. Like, so it's this self-sustaining emotional vehicle, right? So I bring all of that to the the notion of you have to work on your relationship. Yeah, it's it's exciting and doing it. I'm learning about me. I'm learning about you, like putting the energy in. Oh my God, we're communicating better and you're feeling better about yourself. I'm feeling better about myself. I feel safe. I feel joyous. I'm able to take bigger risks in my life because I have such a strong like home base. Like all of the crazy things that we've done since we got together is because we have an insanely rock stable relationship. And I remember, I don't remember when I read this, but I remember like, how it hit me and I've taken it with me ever since that the people who take the biggest risks in life and go on the grandest adventures are the ones that have the most stable home life. And I thought, wow, that is so true. Like you need something that like, you know, I can always return to that. And you've, you and I have always said like when we've taken huge economic gambles that a lose it all worst case scenario, we have each other. And that's always been so insanely comforting to me because it's like, okay, the way that I feel when I spend time with you, like, okay, maybe I have to downsize the house that I experienced that in. But like, I've often thought, let's say that this all blows up, we lose everything, like, can we still play Destiny 2? Like, you know what I mean? Like, as long as we can get together, maybe there's smaller TVs, like maybe it's a smaller house, but like, that bond of, you know, competing together and all of that is just so, so, so much fun. And that feeling of safety, that feeling of warmth, like, in fact, oh, Okay, here we are. This is live. Pressure's on. Oh, no. What did I say was my favorite part of this weekend?
1: Oh, dancing with me in the kitchen. Yeah,
0: Like that, and, and now's not the time to go into it. I had a fucking incredible uh, weekend where somebody literally offered me a massive piece of their company. Like it was, but my favorite part of the weekend was dancing with you in our kitchen. But the, and that was real, by the way. Mm. And so, like, just know what your values are. And I think part of it, because I chased success so hard in the beginning, only to realize, I see you're getting emotional. I am. <laughs> um, like, I chased it so you're hard in the beginning.
1: than when you actually did it for some reason. Yeah,
0: which is actually really fascinating. Um, and I realized that that didn't bring me happiness and that the only thing that really mattered, and I say this all the time. The game you're playing isn't success, it's not money, it's brain chemistry. And feeling a certain way is really all that matters. And Mm -hmm. so, like, working on my relationship, the thing that is the most important, that brings me the most joy, and that work in and of itself is enthralling and exciting and is about learning and discovering and developing and, like... Yeah, I I literally don't get it. And by the way, I don't think they just get lost in the word. I think most people don't put effort into the relationship. Most people do coast. They think that it should take care of itself. Um, and they don't recognize what happens to brain chemistry over time. And when you were talking about, like, you treat your child differently when they're an infant, when they're five, when they're a teenager, when they're an adult. And it's that really hit me as like, yeah, exactly. And a relationship is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. In that first year, it's it's in its infancy. And while it doesn't mirror an infant child in its you know, neediness or whatever. It it is a totally different experience than when it's a 17-year-old. It's just totally different. Mm -hmm. And the amount that it's changed and grown, it's, in my opinion, it's even better. But it's even better because we've invested so heavily day after day after day after day after day. But it's been beautiful. And I've loved the process. And that doesn't mean that every moment was, like, awesome. And there were times where we got in huge fights. But But... the process of learning from that fight so that we don't do it and can we, we we fight less than 10% of what we did in our first year true or false oh god yeah. much less much right less so it's just but because we actively learned we put in the rules of engagement mm-hmm. we talk about everything we learned how to be honest without being you know unintentionally mean it's like you learn all of these things along the way but if you're thinking like oh this is supposed to be effortless i don't think you're going to ever invest like that
1: yeah very true and just going back to the dancing in the kitchen thing like it really it hit me then and a lot more now actually is that it's the small things like it's the small things Um, what was the occasion oh it was our anniversary our 17 year it's like I don't want gifts like I don't want presents I don't want you to go over the top and spend so much money on flowers and this and that like dance with me in the kitchen right because not putting weight on money or you um, going and buying me things um, because that's all, like, external. I've asked you before, like, don't buy me anything, just write me a a poem or don't buy me anything, just write me a note Um, because those are memories that literally cannot be replaced. If you ask me what you bought me on our, you know, seven-year wedding anniversary or I haven't got a clue on my birthday, I really don't remember, but I remember the one poem you wrote me with a gift, like... The scroll. Wow. Um, Like things like that, that are so meaningful that I think um, are really impactful, just as a side note in general. So, this weekend, I mean, you know, we have a beautiful house and um, we can do all sorts of things. We've got a pool table, although we gave away our pool table, in fact, but we've got table tennis. We've got a lot of things that we can do. Um, But I was in the middle of cooking and you just grabbed me and you started dancing in the kitchen and then you dipped me and you did the little romantic kiss and yeah it was so meaningful and then the fact that you said it was the most meaningful thing of your weekend when i knew that you had gone out and had these crazy like outlandish not outlandish but crazy day and evening and then you said that was your most favorite thing like that just really got to me and um was really special so the takeaway message for people at home is like do something out of the ordinary today in fact yes today Right now, or maybe not right now in case you're at work. But today, <laughs> when you see your partner, do something unexpected but sweet and meaningful. Something and small. Nice and simple, yeah. Super simple and small. Like, we happen to have music playing from um, Alexa. But, like, imagine, like, you play a song from your phone, walk into the room when your loved one's there with the music playing and just start dancing with them.
0: Yeah, love that.
1: Yeah. So if you do go and try that, throw it in the comments after. I want to know how it went.
0: Yeah, that actually would be really cool. Yeah. Love that.
1: All right. All right. I think we're Uh, out of time. We are out of time.
0: Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully you've enjoyed this lovely new set as much as we have. It has been an honor to have you guys. And as always, thank you so much for submitting the questions. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And if you're a fan of movies, TV shows, comic books, all that stuff, go over to Impact Theory Studios on YouTube. Subscribe to that. We're doing basically movies and mindset. It's not just movies, but that sounds really cool. It's all about mindset in the media, what you can learn, take away all this stuff. Uh, Movies, books have changed my life. And so we're trying to pay that forward. Um, And today we're gonna be recording something on Stranger Things season two. So be sure not to miss that. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.